Well, good evening. Glad to have those of you who are here with us. Uh, you could be watching the Super Bowl, but you're here watching uh, this online or you're here uh, in person. So glad to have you with us. Uh, let me just remind you of those ways that you can watch us. You can see us there on Facebook or on Twitter at HBC Tullahoma. You can see us on YouTube at Highland Baptist Tullahoma. Either one of those, you can search those and you'll find us there. Uh, you can share those with others. Heart, subscribe, like, give us thumbs up on YouTube. It just helps to get the word out even more. And then don't forget about our phone live streaming. That's 855-532-4025. That's great for people who uh, don't have internet, as well as those who maybe their internet service is not that great. You can also use that service uh, when you're just driving down the road. If you just want to listen uh, on your phone and plug that into your speakers in your car, uh, you can listen to it that way also. It's a toll-free call. doesn't cost uh, anything. Also, you can go to our website at HighlandBaptistChurch.com. It's under the info tab there that you can download our worship bulletin. Uh, that's just a couple of tabs over. Uh, you can also download the children's worship bulletins that go along with the Sunday morning service. And you can also download the prayer list under that link as well as the newsletter for each month. So I encourage you to take the time to do that. And then also don't forget while you're there on the website, you can go to the far right hand side, click the give online tab, and you can do your online giving there. In person, we've got our plates here, or you can bring them. If you're at home, you can bring it anytime during the week, Monday through Thursday, or mail it to us at Highland Baptist Church at Post Office Box 1195, Tullahoma, Tennessee, 37388. And then don't forget, we've got the books we're giving away, uh, the the Illustrated Life of Jesus by Herschel Hobbs. If you want one of those uh, and you're at home and not able to come, uh, please let us know. You can comment there and let us know. You can send us an email at either one of those uh, emails uh, that we have, highlandbaptist at cafes.net or highlandbaptisttullahoma at gmail.com. Uh, give us your address and we'll send that to you. Uh, as well as we also have the little card that we did for the numbers in the book of Revelation, as well as those numbers apply to the rest of the Bible uh, also. So you can get one of those. Uh, and then also if you come as one of our guests, we encourage you to pick up one of our, our gift bags. Uh, we do want to begin with just a word of uh, prayer uh, as we uh, start. So let's just go to the Lord uh, in prayer as we begin today. Heavenly Father, thank you so far, so much, Father, for all that you're doing in our hearts and in our lives. We ask your blessings upon this service. We ask, Lord, that you will speak to us through your word. And Father, we pray that even through the Super Bowl that's going on tonight, our youth who are watching that and who will hear some uh, testimony and hear also some, uh, some that Pastor Matt will be sharing with them. Father, I pray that you'll use uh, that gathering to bring glory to your name. We pray, God, that uh, as we even tonight hear a little bit of testimonies from both sides of the teams, uh, Father, I pray that you'll speak to our hearts. Uh, also. So bless your word tonight. Bless our time together. Uh, bless the songs we're about to sing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Brother Mike, if you'll come and lead us. Well, Pat has already warmed us up a little bit, playing a little bit of 545. Love is the theme. So if you're here, take your hymnals and turn to 
We know this is Super Bowl night, and so we wanted to just share uh, with you a little bit. We do a little more extended program of this usually on Super Bowl night, of sharing some testimonies from the players and some uh, message with you about that in particular. We're just going to continue our series on the life of Jesus, uh, but I did want to share with you some testimonies from uh, the Los Angeles Rams as well as the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, we'll be hearing from the Bengals first and then the Rams, so uh, prayerfully watch and hear uh, some of these guys guys' testimonies uh, as you listen. I, I lean on my faith a lot uh, when it comes to football and just my life in general. Um, yeah, I, I really feel like I can't compete my best um, without it. Um, I know, you know, I know everything happens for a reason, and, you know, I know God's going to be there uh, to help me throughout the ups and downs, and so... As long as I keep him, you know, in my life close to me, um, I know, like, I, there's nothing I can't do. Yeah, um, my faith is everything. Uh, you know, testament to God always, his uh, grace and mercy in my life. Um, I'm a living testimony of that. And um, everything I do, you know, I treat football like a platform to, you know, open eyes to uh, the faith of Christianity and accepting Jesus Christ as our Savior. But anything that I do on the field is to glorify him and through him for him, for his glory. So it's one of those things that just my life is a sacrifice and the days after football will be the same as the days playing football. So 
Um, I try to encourage people anyway to crack open their Bible, like Instagram, um, things like that. Just look up the verse and uh, continue to grow stronger in faith because that's um, where it starts. Uh, my faith is my foundation. Uh, without my faith in Jesus Christ, then, then I'm nothing. I can do nothing without him. And, uh, and so that's what fuels me. And I, and I really see coaching as a calling, as a, as a gift from God. And, uh, and uh, you know, he's put me in a great opportunity. He put people around me um, to, to, to touch, to, to speak life into, to nurture. And so that's what I see this as, as, as a calling. And uh, he's been good to me, and, and uh, I wouldn't be here without him. So it's faith first. It's, it's been my family, uh, and then it's football after that. So uh, and I'm lucky enough to be part of the staff uh, with a head coach. He's got the same alignment. He's got the same thoughts, beliefs. And uh, I think spending time with our family, being able to uh, come in late on Sundays or, or whatever, long season when we need to, and go to church or whatever it is that we need to spend time with our family and make sure that we're going to church. And, uh, whatever that balance is, you know, that's that's the type of environment that we've got here. And, um, that's why we all miss so well because it's a step. The thing that he has taught me is that um, you will find you will find that you are most fulfilled. You will find the most joy um, when you are rooted in your purpose. You know, and. and um, specifically rooted in, in his purpose for you and you know that to me has been one of the best things about this year of beyond all of the um all the games that we won beyond all of the you know honors accolades whatever um it is you know i've just I, i've had so much fun being able to play this game and you know my my motivation i touched on earlier my motivation coming in to you know every single day is to run the race in such a way as to honor god um, and the passions that, and the um, talents that he has given me. I'm my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I'm nothing, you know, honestly. So um, without his grace and his mercy and uh, dying for my sins, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm nothing. I'm, you know, sinful by nature and uh, I'm not perfect. And that's why I need, you know, that's why I need the Lord so much. And that's why I need my faith. And I got to always lean on my faith. And I got to give God the glory and, let God really work through me and, you know, work through my heart and try to grow. That's, you know, that's really how I try to grow and try to evolve as a person. I've definitely watched, heard, and, and witnessed it all changed, man. And it just, it's just a testimony to stand down, you know, stand humble, stand in your faith, bro. And, you know, here I am with an opportunity um, to, to reach one of the goals in my life that, I, that I've always wanted to reach. With God, with Jesus Christ on your side, um, you can accomplish so much. Um, keeping faith, no matter what the circumstances is, you know, no matter what kind of adversity come your way, keeping your faith can take you so far, can get you over that hump. Um, and that's been kind of my testimony this whole season. I know God has brought me a long way and none of this would be possible without him, man. I just, just the way things have been going, the way things have, have played out my entire life, um, you couldn't you couldn't have written this any better, and I know that all of this stuff uh, was was orchestrated by by him. And I just everything that I do, you know, my my hashtag, my motto is look at God. Um, you know, it's it's easy for us as players to uh, you know to 
uh, I never want to get big headed. You know, no matter how many plays I make and all these things, I don't, you know, I don't really want to want people to look at me or whatever. I just know that I wouldn't be here without God. So when I say hashtag look at God, I mean just he gets all the attention and all the glory, and I'm and I'm thankful um, for him and his plan. I, I lean on my faith a lot uh, when it comes to football. It's on a loop there, and so it'll continue to play it. As you heard there, both sides have good Christian guys who are playing uh, on those teams. There are, te there are guys who are on both those teams who don't know the Lord uh, as their Savior. And so pray for those that do, uh, that as they take a stand for the Lord Jesus Christ, even as uh, on this platform that they have tonight to witness to the world, uh, because this is all around the world with this broadcast of the Super Bowl. Uh, so even if it's not your teams that are playing tonight, uh, just know that the, the gospel message of those who would uh, maybe have that opportunity to share as they're interviewed, uh, to share about their faith in Christ, pray for them uh, that they would be uh, faithful and that their testimony and their words would go out. You can find those interviews and many more uh, on Sports Spectrum. Uh, it's where sports and faith intersect. Uh, so you can look that up online on, and Google that. It's called Sports Spectrum, uh, and that's where sports and faith uh, intersect. And so it's a great uh, resource that's out there that you can look at and see some more, even in other sports, of others who are uh, using their platforms to share the gospel. So take your Bibles tonight, if you will, to John, turn to John chapter 1. And we're going to be looking at verse 45 to 51. We're going to start with verse 43 to verse 45. And so uh, the message tonight is entitled Star Witness, uh, kind of uh, playing off of some of the Super Bowl uh, emphasis here that we're going to see this star player uh, here that was a disciple of Jesus. Uh, we're also going to see that uh, this guy dealt with some doubts in his life. He's not mentioned very much at all in the scriptures, uh, but he is in a few places. And so we're going to see those tonight as we go through uh, his life. You know, it's just like in, in sports, there are those who play who may not be the, the, the star player, uh, but in God's eyes they are because uh, they're sharing their testimony and faith in Jesus Christ. So let's stand as we read God's word in honor of his word, John chapter 1 and verse 43 through verse 45. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee, and he found Philip <coughs> excuse me, and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth the son of Joseph. Let's pray again. Heavenly Father, thank you once again for uh, just the privilege to come before your throne of grace and to ask you, Lord, to bless your word tonight, to bless the testimonies that we've even heard tonight uh, from the players who are playing. But Father, I pray that you will uh, help them to remain faithful, not only in their words, but also in their actions, even on the field. And Lord, that they would be a witness and testimony to so many others. Use that platform, Lord, to share the gospel uh, with so many around the world. 
Heavenly Father, I pray that you will speak to us from your truth from this word also uh, as we see this star witness uh, here in this passage who dealt with doubt and as we struggle sometimes with doubt, help us to learn some things that we can take and apply to our lives from this passage tonight. So bless your word, bless the reading of it, the hearing of it, the keeping of it, and help us, Lord, to, to just hear from your spirit speaking to our hearts tonight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And you can be seated. You know, if you think about doubt and you are dealing with doubt, it doesn't matter where you are spiritually, you need to meet Jesus. If you don't know Christ as your Lord and your Savior and you're dealing with doubt, you certainly need Jesus because that's the only place you're going to find peace and answers for the doubts that you have. If you do know Christ and yet you're struggling with doubts, you still need to meet Jesus. You need to get closer uh, to Jesus. You know, so often uh, we, we are uh, looking at our problems and our troubles and our trials up so close that we think that God is, is small and God can't handle our problems. But the closer you get to God, the bigger God is. And so uh, in John chapter 1, we have here a scene from the life of Jesus, uh, which I think addresses this problem of dealing with doubt. You know, life is a series of problems. And if you don't have a problem, just hang around. Uh, before this message is over, you're going to have a problem. Uh, all people are in a one of three stages uh, when, it, when it comes to problems. Either you're coming out of a problem, uh, you're in a problem, or you're heading towards a problem. Uh, life is a series of problems. Well, the good news about the Lord Jesus Christ is to know Jesus as your Savior gives you access to someone who is the great problem solver. And, and I don't know what problems you may be facing today, uh, but whatever problem it may be, whether it's in your marriage, whether it's in your family, whether it's in your finances, uh, whatever it is, uh, know this, that ultimately and fundamentally, when you get down to the root of the matter, you'll discover that Jesus Christ is able to help you with whatever problem that you might have. Uh, one of the problems I want to deal with in this passage, though, is the problem of doubt and the problem of skepticism. Because there are a lot of people in our world today who are, who are filled with skepticism and doubt in this world in which we live. In some ways, it's part of our upbringing. It's, it's the way we're trained in schools to think skeptically, to think from a scientific perspective, and to, to be skeptical so that we get to the facts and know what the facts are may be. And that atmosphere of skepticism, though, has often bled over into religious life. And there are many people today who are dealing with the problems of doubt, the problem of doubting what God's word has to say. Uh, somebody has said that doubt is a swinging bridge between faith and unbelief. Faith says, I believe. Doubt says, I'm not sure. Uh, faith says, I trust. Doubt says, I don't know about it. Uh, there, here's this man in the Bible who has this problem of skepticism or doubt. His name is Nathaniel. The indications from the word of the Lord about this man, Nathaniel, are that he was certainly a doubter, but he was also a sincere doubter. There are many people who aren't sincere in their doubts. Many times intellectual doubts are just merely a cover for immoral, uh, an immoral lifestyle. You know, some people are trying to cover uh, over the kind of life that they're living. 
and that's not really the problem at all. But evidently, Nathaniel was one of those sincere doubters. Somebody said that doubt is either the agony of some earnest soul or it's the trifling superficial doubt of a superficial fool. Uh, the name Nathaniel means the gift of God. Now, maybe his parents gave him that name out of hope that he would indeed be a gift to the world or out of hope uh, that he would be a special gift to them from God. Uh, when you get to Matthew and to Mark and to Luke, you never see Nathaniel's name. In all the lists that you see in those gospels of the disciples, you never see his name. One name you do see is the name Bartholomew. And most people believe, most scholars believe that Nathaniel and Bartholomew are the names for the same man. Uh, Nathaniel doesn't appear much in scripture at all. Uh, he appears on the first page of the book of John and he appears on the last page uh, of the book of John. In chapter 1, uh, he makes his cameo appearance. In chapter 21, he gives his final curtain call. He, he's a man who shows us that if you have a problem, uh, who, if you have a problem, what you need is to meet Jesus. Uh, Jesus can help you with your problem today, no matter what your problem is. Uh, and so I want to call your attention, first of all, to the doubt that he manifests or the doubt that he shows uh, there in verse 45. Uh, so verse 43 and 44 kind of set the stage for us where he's at, what Jesus has said. Uh, we see the connection there to Andrew and Peter that we talked about this morning. Uh, he, he was from Bethsaida, which was the city, the hometown of Andrew and Peter. And, and verse 45 says that Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of of Joseph. So notice Philip found Nathaniel. Uh, that's a train in a series of, event, of events in chapter 1 uh, about people who are meeting the Lord Jesus. And we talked about that this morning, the necessity for us to invite people to meet Jesus, to share the gospel with them, to invite them to come to church. There, are two, there were two disciples who came to Jesus and said, where do you live? And we talked about that at the end of our message this morning. Uh, the, and Jesus said, come and see. And one of those men uh, came and told Philip. And then the Lord came to Philip and said, follow me. And we find that Philip followed Jesus. He had become a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's a friend of Nathaniel. So he wants his friend, Nathaniel, to know about Jesus. You know, it's a good friend who will do for you what Philip did for Nathaniel. If you have a friend who's talking to you about the promises and the word of, of Jesus Christ, that's a good friend to have. You know, many of us uh, came to know uh, the Lord as our Savior because we had a friend who loved us enough, who cared enough about us to introduce us to Jesus. And so Philip was a good friend. So I want you to know that we need to be that kind of friend. Uh, to others. Uh, we need to be that kind of friend that they might uh, know Jesus. And so after Philip had found Jesus, he had a desire uh, that his friend Nathaniel would come to know the Lord. So he comes to Nathaniel and he lays before him this prophetical announcement. Notice what the announcement was back in verse 45 again. We have found him. Not just anybody. We found him. Who's he talking about 
him. He's talking about the Messiah. You can almost sense the excitement in Philip's voice. And then he says, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets wrote. So he doesn't leave it to question to Nathaniel. Who in the world are you talking about, Nathaniel? Wait, slow down just a second. You know, Philip's so excited to tell him about Jesus. And, he, and Philip just continues on and says, he's the one that Moses told us about in the law and also that the prophets wrote about. And that is that we have found the one that the Old Testament predicted was going to come. And so now the Jewish people were looking for the coming of the Messiah. In fact, at this particular point in their history, they were desperate for the coming of the Messiah. Hundreds of years had passed since they had had even a word from God. Uh, in the book of Malachi, the last book that was written in the Old Testament. And they hadn't heard anything for 400 years from God, uh, from the prophets. And, and so they had been waiting, they had been hungry, they had been longing for uh, and desperate for the coming uh, of the Messiah uh, as, because they had problems that they were facing uh, as a nation and they as individual Jews were facing. They were under the heels of the Roman Empire. Uh, life was tough. Taxation uh, was strong. The economy uh, was shaky. Uh, they desperately needed someone who could help them with their problems. Kind of sounds like today. Our, our economy's shaky. Uh, there's problems around the world that, uh, that make us uh, see the, uh, the, the light here of how things are tough. And, and so Philip uh, says, we have found him, the one that the Old Testament predicted. The Old Testament had predicted the coming uh, of, of the Messiah. Moses had talked about him. Remember, Moses had talked about the serpent uh, on the pole, uh, which was representative uh, of Jesus Christ, to whom people could look uh, to and be saved. Uh, the prophets had talked about him being board, virgin born and, and suffering for the, the sins of the whole world. And so you can just imagine that Nathaniel's heart jumped a beat uh, when he heard Philip say, we found him. Let me say it again. If you can find somebody who can help you with the problems that you're going through right now, I'm sure that probably your heart would leap a little bit also. And, and so here's Philip who's, who's ready now for a, a letdown. Philip continues on and he says, we found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And so when Nathaniel hears this, when he hears that, it's almost like somebody popped his balloon. Nathaniel hears Jesus of Nazareth, of all places. Now, uh, we have a skeptical answer from Nathaniel. Uh, that we're going to see in just a moment when he heard that this Jesus who was supposed to be the Messiah had come and he hears that he's from a place named Nazareth. It's like somebody just let the air out of his uh, balloon and he says in verse 46, notice what Nathaniel says to him. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Now the last place in the world that he expected the Messiah to come from was Nazareth. And certainly the last place he expected anybody to come from who could help with his problems was Nazareth. In John 21 and verse 2 where Nathanael is mentioned for the last time, we're told that Nathanael 
was from Cana. Uh, Cana was about five miles uh, from Nazareth. They were neighboring towns. And there may have been a little bit of uh, local prejudice and jealousy that was going on here. Uh, you know, you, th- you think about, I came from a small town uh, in North Florida there. And if you're from a small town, then you know about the, the local prejudice and jealousy. I remember when you think about football, when our football team uh, would, would play uh, some of the other towns uh, around us uh, who were our rivals. I think of teams like McClenny, uh, Florida, Keystone, Palatka. We always got beat by Palatka. Uh, it's kind of like here with uh, you, you, Tullahoma plays Coffee County. You've got Franklin County. You've got Shelbyville. Uh, and when they played those teams, uh, they like, like played those teams. They played like they never played before. It was something. Uh, it was something to see uh, how bad they wanted to beat that neighborhood rival. Uh, there was probably a little local prejudice going on here uh, with Nathaniel. It's kind of like that. Our town's better than your town. Uh, Cana's better than Nazareth. Nothing good could ever come out of Nazareth. And there's some of that that still goes around even in the faith today. There are some people that have problems and they're not getting the answers to their problems because they're allowing some of their prejudices, sometimes some of their jealousies to take over. There are some people uh, who, who say, well, I wouldn't go to that church because those people don't come from the same part of town that I come from. Or I'm from the west side of town Or or I'm from the east side of town or the east side of the tracks and and I can't go over there. Uh, The fact of the matter is, uh, for our church even, people come from all over. They even come from outside of Tullahoma. They come from all over Tullahoma and even from outside, from Lynchburg and Deckard, Winchester, Manchester, Normandy, Shelbyville and all over. As I understand the New Testament, the church is to be a place where people can come from wherever they may live, from whatever social status they may be. And some people say, well, well, they're not my social status at that church. Or they didn't go to the schools that I went to. Uh, or, or maybe if you're thinking about those who are in school and those who are not, they're homeschooled or they're not homeschooled. You know, think about this. Friends, a, a hungry man can't be particular where he gets bread from. A thirsty man can't be particular where he gets water from. Don't let prejudice in our hearts keep us from coming to the place where you can get an answer to your problems. There's another thing about it here. The fact of the matter is that Nazareth, it was a bad place. It wasn't a good place. I mean, when Nathaniel says nothing good could come out of Nazareth, that was true. Nazareth was a bad place. It was located on a hillside, and, and down below was one of the main highways where the merchants and the, and the soldiers were constantly passing. And, and, and very often, uh, they would stay in Nazareth for the night. And you can just almost imagine what a center of corruption Nazareth had become. You can almost imagine how bad Nazareth was. It had a bad reputation. You ever thought about it? Jesus lived the overwhelming majority of his life, uh, those 30 years or plus there, in this place called Nazareth, a despised town. There he was, unrecognized, unknown, unhonored. And so don't ever worry about where you came from. Whether you came from a, a small hick town in, in North Florida uh, or whether you came from uh, the, the big city, uh, it doesn't matter where you came from. It's not where you came from that matters. It matters where you're going. Uh, can any good thing come 
out of Nazareth. And so Nathaniel becomes a doubter. He becomes a skeptic. And he's raising this skeptical question. Uh, some of us have sometimes a problem uh, of doubt. There are all kinds of doubters. There are all kinds of skeptics. There may be those who are scientific skeptics. You, you've decided that Jesus has to get into your test tube and submit himself to your test and check off all your boxes before you'll ever believe him. Or maybe you're a philosophical skeptic. Maybe you've decided that, that Jesus has to conform to your ideas of what he should or shouldn't be before you're going to believe. Or maybe you're a religious skeptic. You already have your mind already made up. It's amazing to me how many people don't know anything, who don't know anything about it announce themselves as an authority on religious matters. If you don't believe that, then just talk to people. They'll tell you immediately what the Bible is all about, and they haven't even read it. They haven't even studied uh, the Word of God. And you may be a religious skeptic, and you may have decided that Jesus just doesn't fit into your little system. I have news for you. Know this. Jesus Christ is bigger than Nazareth. Jesus was from Nazareth, but Jesus was also from heaven. God was his Father. Divinity was his nature. Heaven was his home. He's bigger than Nazareth. You know, the world is constantly wanting to confine Jesus to Nazareth. They want to keep him uh, back in the first century uh, riding a donkey. I have news for you. The Jesus of Nazareth is the Jesus of Tullahoma. Uh, he can solve our modern problems, whatever they may be. And the fact of the matter is nothing good can come from anywhere but Nazareth. Because Jesus came from Nazareth. And the only one who was ever good was the Lord Jesus Christ. So we find here with Nathaniel the doubt he shows. And Nathaniel says to Philip in verse 46, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, Come and see. Now I like that from Philip. Because Philip doesn't try to get into a debate with him. He doesn't try to get into an argument with him. Uh, he, 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 there, there is a place for academic debate. There's a place for apologetics in the Christian faith. But on this occasion, Philip doesn't try to deal with his doubts with philosophical or religious arguments. He just basically says, come and see. Won't you come and see for yourself? The real evidence for us is to have a meeting with Jesus. And there are those today who are having doubts uh, that you need to meet Jesus. You don't need me to give you some argument from the Bible. Give Jesus a chance. You've tried everything else. Give Jesus a chance. You've got yourself in a big mess. You have problems that you can't solve. Give Jesus a chance. Come and see. That's what Philip says. But then I also want you to see the deity he meets. The deity he meets. Nathaniel goes with Philip to meet Jesus. So he doesn't just sit there in his doubt and his skepticism and say, I don't believe you, Philip. I, I doubt that's true. I'll just stay right here. No, he goes to see. He wants to see uh, for himself in his own eyes. And so he goes with Philip to meet Jesus. And in verse 47, Jesus sees Nathaniel coming to him. Notice verse 47. Jesus saw Nathaniel coming toward him and said, Behold an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no <coughs> deceit. So notice, 
Jesus sees Nathanael coming to him. Here they come. Here's Nathanael in front of him, and he sees Jesus of Nazareth. But more than that, he sees deity in human flesh. And Jesus says, Behold an Israelite, indeed, King James Version said, in whom is no guile or deceit is another way to say that. Jesus is saying here that he's revealing his deity. And you could translate the word guile as the name Jacob. Uh, it may be that Nathaniel had recently been studying the life of, of Jacob. His name in, in the first three Gospels uh, is Bartholomew in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But when you see Bar, that means son of. Uh, and so when you have son of Tholomew or Tholomas, uh, there was a group of people who were called Tholomans who dedicated themselves to the study of scriptures. He may have been one of those. Maybe he'd been reading the life of Jacob. In Genesis 27, when you read about the life of Jacob, you'll find that Jacob was a schemer. Jacob was a deceiver. Jacob was a person who was filled with God. And Jesus looks at Nathanael and he says, behold an Israelite in whom there is no Jacob. There is no guile. There is no deceit. It's a great compliment to Nathaniel because Jesus is basically affirming the sincerity of this man, Nathaniel. Now, an Israelite there means ruled by God. Here's a man who's under the authority of God. Here's a man who, who, who when he gets the evidence, will believe the evidence. And so what you have here is a revelation of the Lord's omniscience. He calls him by name, and he knows all about him. So here this man comes up, first time uh, Jesus in the flesh has ever met him, and he just says to him, this man is an Israelite. He's ruled by God. He has no Jacob. He has no guile. Uh, there's not a false bone in his body. That's a tremendous compliment to come from Jesus. What about us? Do you have any doubt at all? What you need to do is to meet Jesus who knows all about you. Jesus knows you exactly where you are right now. He knows exactly where you are in your life. He knows what's going on in your life. He knows uh, where you are uh, and, and, and all about you even right now and about your past. And you may say, well, I don't want anybody to know about my past, but Jesus already knows all about your past. Uh, he knows not only what's going on on the outside of you that everybody else sees, he knows what's going on on the inside of you that nobody ever else sees. He knows your doubts, and he knows your fears, and he knows your failures, <clears throat> and he knows your desires. Jesus Christ uh, has omniscience. He knows all about you. And so notice what happens then in verse 48. In verse 48, in the beginning of verse 48, Nathaniel says this. Watch it here. It, it, it just shocks Nathaniel. Nathaniel said to him, How do you know me? I never met you before. How could you say that about me? That I'm an Israelite in whom there is no guile, in whom there is no deceit, in whom there is no Jacob. How do you know me? You know, that's interesting. Uh, it shocks Nathaniel. He had already gone ahead of Philip. And, and think about this. When, when you're witnessing to somebody, when you're sharing the gospel with somebody, before you ever get there, Jesus was already there. 
you're talking to somebody about the Lord and you think that this is brand new stuff, Jesus has already been ahead of you. He's already been working in that person's heart. And that's what Jesus can do. He's already running ahead of us. Isn't that awesome? Notice what else he says here. So Nathaniel says, how do you know me? And Jesus answered him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Now, evidently, that fig tree was in a garden that Nathaniel had. It was evidently a quiet place of, of meditation and rest and refreshment and relaxation. And Nathaniel had been there thinking about all the things that he had seen and heard. And, and Jesus is not only revealing not only his omniscience in these verses, uh, he knew all about Nathaniel. He was saying, Nathaniel, when you were under that fig tree, you didn't know it, but I was right there with you. I knew what you were thinking. I knew what you were doing. Know this, God is at work everywhere. There ain't nowhere God ain't. That might not be right, proper English, good grammar, but it's good theology. God is everywhere. God is omnipresent. Listen to what the psalmist says in Psalm 139 and verse 7 through verse 10. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. God is everywhere. You can't hide from God. It's useless to try. I mean, think about Jonah. Jonah found out that you can't run from God. Adam and Eve in the garden, uh, they found out that you can't run from God. They were hiding behind a tree and the Lord said, where are you? Not because God didn't know where they were. He wanted them to know where they were. He knew exactly where they were. God knows where you are. And you can't run from God anymore. The deity he meets, we see here. The reason I want, that we want people to meet Jesus is because when you meet Jesus Christ, you meet God, who is the answer for all of your problems. And then notice the decision he makes. The decision he makes. Look at verse 49. Nathaniel answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Now I want you to see something here. Think about this. In just two minutes' time, here's a man whose doubts are settled, whose doubts are solved. Just a little while ago, he was saying, nothing good could come out of Nazareth. And now he's saying, you're the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. He makes a quantum leap, if you will, in two minutes that completely changes his life. Notice again what he says about Jesus. He's convinced. His doubts are settled. He says, you are. Not maybe you might be. I hope you are. He says, you are the Son of God. Because there's no way you could have known what, what was happening with me under the fig tree unless you were God. That is, he crowns him as the king of the universe. You are the king of Israel. He crowns him the king of the future. He acknowledges his deity. He acknowledges his destiny. He's basically saying, you're everything they say you are. You're everything you claim to be. And in that confession, this doubter who has now become a believer, this man seals his own destiny 
for all of eternity. Notice verse 50. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. We see then he goes back to the life of Jacob in verse 51. He said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God doing what? Ascending and descending on the Son of Man. That's a picture from back when Jacob, remember Jacob? Uh, That's a picture uh, and a reference to the experience Jacob had when he was basically a teenage boy. If there was ever a time that decisions need to be made, it's when we're in those teenage years. Uh, Some of the most important decisions of your life are made when you're a young person. And that's why it's so vital for us as a church and as Christians to be pouring our hearts into young people, sharing the good news of the gospel with them. Because I dare say some of the most important decisions of your life were when you were a young person. Uh, The decision to receive Jesus uh, as your Savior. The decision of what kind of friends you're going to associate with. uh, The decision of what you're going to do in life. The decision about where you're going to go to school and and get education. And, And I presume that the greatest decisions for the most part of a person's life are made in those younger years. Jacob was just a teenage boy who was running and that night he went to sleep on a stone uh, for a pillar and, and that night he had a vision that there was this ladder, remember, that was set down from heaven and on that ladder he saw angels of God ascending and descending. Ascending as if the angels were going back to glory and telling heaven of all the, the sad heart-rendering things taking place on this earth. Descending from heaven with God's solutions and God's answers and God's power to meet the situation. And so Jacob saw that ladder and he said, look, this is the gate of heaven. And he understood that that ladder uh, connected heaven and earth. And Jesus is saying to Nathaniel, Nathaniel, I'm the ladder. I saw you under that fig tree. That fig tree, when I was there, I I heard and saw uh, about you and about your sin. I'm the ladder because the ladder tells about another tree the latter tells about the cross where I'm going to die for the sins of this world and he said to him you're going to see greater things than this and he did because we know that Nathaniel became a disciple of Jesus he became a follower of the Lord and Nathaniel saw that day when Jesus died on the cross he saw that time when when Jesus ascended to the heavens when all the disciples gathered there. And like you and me, one day he's going to see Jesus come again with his holy angels. He lights a lamp of hope for the future. So when you come to Jesus, not only can he help you with your problems right now, but he can help you with your problems that are out in the future. I don't know what your problems are, as I said. I don't know what dimension they may take. I don't know what shape they may take. But if you will meet Jesus at the foot of the cross, if you'll open up your heart and your life, if you've never received Jesus, that you would receive him as Lord and Savior. If you've already done that, if you'd just get on your, on your knees in prayer and start drawing closer to the Lord, whatever the problems of the future might be, Jesus has greater things than these to give to you. So I want to close with this statement of Philip. Back in verse 46, Philip said to him, come and see. 
So if you're still having doubts about that, whether if you're a believer, you're still having doubts, come and see. If you're a believer and you're still having some doubts, is he truly the answer to all my problems? Come and see. That's one of the greatest words in the Bible, come. All throughout the Bible, God issues that invitation. How simple it is to know Christ as your Savior. You come. How simple it is to have someone in your life who can help you with life's problems. God says, come. How simple it is to be forgiven of our sin and to know Christ as our Savior, to know that heaven is your home. So how do you deal with your doubts? God's word says, come. Come and see. Come and see. And he will answer all of your problems and all of your doubts. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for Nathaniel who honestly had some doubts in his heart, but yet was honestly seeking the truth. And, and so, Father, I pray that if there are those who are watching or those who are present tonight, if, if they don't know Christ as their Lord and their Savior, and, and they've been having some doubts about all this, they've been hearing about Jesus, that he, he loves us and he cares for us, and he died on the cross for our sins and, and wants to give us eternal life, Lord, I pray they would just hear that call, come and seek. They would turn to you. They would call out uh, to say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner and I need to be saved. And I come to try Jesus. I've tried everything else in my life and nothing else has ever worked. But I come tonight to trust in Christ as my Lord and my Savior. I believe he lived that sinless, perfect life, died on the cross for my sins, was buried in the tomb and arose on the third day. Jesus, come into my heart and save me and help me to live for you all the days of my life. And Father, I pray that you'll empower them by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you'll answer the problems and the doubts that they have in their heart and their mind. But Lord, there are many who may be here or listening online who they've already settled that part. They already know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. But because we live in this world and we've heard so much of, of the world and we hear so much of the devil and so much of the things uh, of this life that we've, it's all crowded out your voice and your presence. And we just need to come and see. We need to come and experience Jesus afresh and anew in our lives. So Father, I pray tonight that we would call out to you and say, God, forgive me for not trusting you as I should. Forgive me, Lord, for not following you and being obedient as I should. And help me, Lord, to live faithfully one day at a time, one moment at a time, trusting you by faith and that I would come and see. And Lord, I pray that you'll begin to change people's lives and that you'll be glorified and honored through those changes in Jesus' name precious name we pray. Amen. Brother Mike, come and lead us in our hymn of invitation as we stand, as we sing, number 311. 311.
song to close us out tonight. Thank you so much for joining us uh, there online or on our phone live streaming. Uh, we look forward to having you back Wednesday night uh, as we'll be back in the book of Revelation. Uh, you'll want to join us for that. Uh, it's going to be a blessing as we get back into that again. Uh, we're looking through the seven letters to the seven churches at this point, and we're on our third church, uh, as you'll see this Wednesday night. So join us uh, for that. And so don't forget also to request that book if you need it uh, or the numbers guide uh, there also. Somebody said he might get through early tonight since he was over <laughs> this morning. I was just making up for last week when I wasn't even here. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we give you a little bit, a little bit of leeway here, a little five-minute break to get out a little bit early. You have a blessed week. We'll see you this Wednesday.